Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the beverage industry, a brand new vodka. You guys are going to love it's so cool. This one has such a great story behind it. And um, on the podcast today is John Torji. He is the CEO and founder of Kuri Vodka. And this is going to be so much fun to unpack. John, it's so great having you on the podcast. It's great to be here, Justin. I'm uh, pretty excited about this. I, I'm so glad you're here, man. This is so cool. So um, for those listening that have ever been to Peru, um, you know how amazingly beautiful it is and how awesome the people are there and how there's some really cool, unique foods and drinks there, which I, I think are amazing. I actually had the opportunity to do a lot of work down there um, in my background and spend time there for fun. And so when I saw, John, your info come across and I saw your experience there and your ideas on this beverage brand, like this is so cool. So anyway, I'm excited. Um, okay, so let's do this. So John, I saw your Kimmy by background, which is awesome. How did you decide mm-hmm. to get into the beverage business? And like, how did you decide to even start your own company? So I think the beverage business really started when I was talking to a friend who was a craft brewer, I mean, a home brewer. Uh, we were talking about it for quite a while. And we kind of started talking about the distillation process. Um, that there's a lot of breweries in the United States now all over the place um, and how the craft distilling industry was just starting. This is about three or four years ago. Sure. And it kind of talked to me, you know, if you really wanted to get into a good market, the craft distilling market is probably the next boom. And I kind of looked at it and was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a chemical engineer. I right. deal with the distillation process <laughs> when it comes to petroleum and other other separations of chemicals. And I kind of thought, why, why am I not doing this? You know, I, I, I enjoy my beverages. Um, I... I actually focused in my studies on biochemical engineering, which would be the exact process of fermentation. Um, and you know, whether, whether it's yeast or bacteria or some other form, but, but you know, that's background. So sure. I kind of, you know, the, the light bulb went off, right. You know, this might be something I'd like to do for fun. So I actually, you know, I started doing it in my parents' garage. Uh, that, that's um, how it starts, so, man. So many, yeah, it always so many starts people there, are, right? it starts in the garage or in the kitchen. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, so I started doing it in my uh, my garage. I was doing, you know, some mashes, uh, fermentation, start off with beer, uh, decided that I wanted to start trying to distill it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it really kind of snowballed into, um, I don't know, I went, I went quite a, almost a bit of an obsession, right? I mean, you sure. really start getting into it. And especially with my background with the engineering, I, you know, I started looking at chemical analysis and, you know, how is, how's the, the yeast reacting to this? If I add more sugar, less sugar, this type of sugar, that type, you know, and, and really, really started digging into the, the process of even on a microbiological level and a chemical level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved that's, it, you know, that's, that's really cool. It's right up my alley. It's and right it up your, something it, I love to do. And then exactly. the final product is, you know, 
it's it is the best right well so it's, <laughs> I, I love it and of course i mean it's fun to work on something you're passionate about that's one thing that's a common mm-hmm. theme from the other guests that i've had on the podcast so um but i have to wind back the clock here so i was reading about you and it said our bottle of curie quinoa peruvian vodka was not born when the seeds were sown in the rich valley soil nor when the farmer collected the quinoa grains high up in amongst the glacier cap peruvian andes in fact the bottle was not born in peru it, at all it was born with a spark which became an eternal flame that was lit in 2014 when an american boy found a young peruvian girl lying on a beach in brazil dude what you got to tell us yeah. the story <laughs> all right so i was uh i was working in chicago and i don't know how i got in my head i'm not even a soccer fan but <laughs> i had it in my head that brazil was you know the soccer capital of the world right the world cup was going to be in rio and i read somewhere that they were supposed to win the world cup so ding 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 <laughs> right this is going to be the party of the millennium right of course so i cannot miss it right so i i go to the embassy i try to get my uh visa so you need an actual in your passport visa to go to brazil and sure that's I right get it in chicago i made my poor mother in the brazilian embassy for like two days with my passport because I could have a family representative and I was in Chicago, but my, my home base was in Maryland. So I had to go to that district's embassy. Oh, um, so my poor it. mother, my poor mother sits two days so that I can go to a party, right? Oh, <laughs> in the embassy. Nice of her. So anyhow, <laughs> I get you, it. Mom. I mean, it was, it was probably two days before my flight. My, my passport shows up, you know, cause they had to put it in there and, you know, do the lamentation and everything. And, uh, so I get my passport about two days before I go on this flight. I have no idea where I'm staying. I don't have a hotel. I'm oh just, my god! You know, I'm a, I don't know anything, right? I'd never been to South America. I have no idea. Luckily, I found an American who traveled quite a bit down there, a little older than me, and he was like, "Okay, we need to go to Copacabana, right?" I didn't even know what that was. That's how naive <laughs> I was. Um, and you know, you get off the plane, and I'm taking a taxi with this guy, and. He, no, it's just it's a whole nother world, right? Totally. I mean, I'm, at first totally. thought, you know, I get it. You drive out of the airport, and it's just, you know, chaos. what did I get yeah. myself into, <laughs> it's right? Chaos, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's super chaotic. You have no idea what's going on, but you know that's the nature of life, right? And sure. uh, so anyhow, so I, I wound up in this hostel in um, Copacabana. It's great. I wound up running into a group of uh, a couple of Americans, and they were with some Colombians. And they were telling me after the World Cup, you know, we're going up to this beautiful paradise town. It's about three hours north of um, of Rio de Janeiro. It's called Bucios. I said, you know what? Great. Let's go. We hop on the bus together. And my future wife happened to be staying at the hostel oh, in this wow. beautiful paradise town. So, you know, I met her the night before. And then I, I think it was the day after, you know, <laughs> we all wound up going on this beautiful boat tour right turquoise water it's like you know the the stuff you always see in movies right right? you don't not even really sure they exist in real life without some sort of photoshop but they are real right and uh so we went on this like you know day-long boat tour you know they they have lunch and food and you got all these different beaches and swimming and snorkeling and it was great and you know i i kissed my wife for the first time that day um and it was just from then on it was on i mean we were that's you know we we got married years later but we were married from that day on and uh she wound up traveling but so how did i wind up in peru i'm kind of running on she's peruvian got it my wife is peruvian so she was traveling through brazil on vacation and uh yeah we wound up traveling back and forth between the u.s and peru her there me here back and forth um and I eventually, you know, I was, I was 
I was a little tired of doing the desk thing. Right. Um, no, <laughs> you, you, I kind of hit that age where, yeah. you know, I've been working for about four years and I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I do believe that there is a bit of a quarter life crisis or so they're calling it right around 28 <laughs> right. years old, 27. Right. I'm kind of like, you know, do I want to do this? Right. The guy working behind me, 60, 63 years old. He's supposed to retire in two years. I'm like, dude, that's me. You know, for that's the next. you. Oh, <laughs> I got 40. What am I looking at? 40, 38 years, something like that. I'm like, wow, right. you know, that's going to be me for, you know, is this it? Right. And I kind of thought, you know, it's time to do one more thing before I, you know, have the wife, the kids and right. really permanently need to settle in and have responsibilities other than myself. So I said, this is a chance. I'm going to use her as an excuse to quit my job and move down there. Right. So, and I, of course I was moving there for love, but you know, it's, it's a lot easier to tell people, you know, right, you gave up this course. awesome job that you're making <laughs> quite a bit of money at such a young age. It's, but if you say it's for love, no one questions it. Right. So exactly. So it true. is a bit of an excuse, but it is true. Right? I mean, I was moving down there to be with her as well. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I was down there for, you know, probably about a month or so. We traveled all around Peru, maybe a month or two. Um, and, you know, I kind of, you, you're having these great experiences. It's quite an adventure, but, you know, somewhere at the point in time, it kind of hits you that, hey, you know, I kind of got to do something, right? I mean, we all yeah, got to totally, work, you know, totally. we all got to put bread on the table eventually. So it kind of dawned on me. And, you know, I, I, I knew that I loved distilling and I looked around and, you know, in Peru, they have, the agricultural abundance is unbelievable is in that country. Totally. So you're going and you, you know, you've been there, you go to these markets and as an American, you know, your first time there, you're, you're looking at these fruits and vegetables. You don't even know what it is. Right. We don't even have, we don't even Foreign. have this stuff in the U S we don't even, we don't even have it on Instagram in the no, U S right. So you're looking totally. at this stuff. You're like, what the hell is, you know, right. And I'm thinking, my God, there's so much stuff here that maybe I could use to make a beer or a liquor totally. or something like that. Right. And, you know, I think the gears started turning. I looked around. Um, Peru has a wonderful uh, liquor called Pisco. That's their national liquor. Yep, it's, very uh, familiar it's, with it. It's basically Pisco an unaged sour, brandy. Like the Pisco right, Sour. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's great. I mean, I, I think it's a good product. And uh, But, you know, I'm looking around. I go, this is the only thing they have. And they have abundance of vegetables and fruits and grains than anywhere else in the world. This can't, you know, this shouldn't be it coming right. out of this country, right? right? There's so many more opportunities. Um, so, man, I started experimenting and, you know, and I'm really bad. I mean, God bless my wife's uh, family. They are, you know, the kindest people in the world and uh, super patient with me. We are living <laughs> in this tiny little, tiny apartment, right? We got three little, little bedrooms, right? Where you kind of can fit a bed and maybe a dresser. Right. So there's three, three bedrooms. We've got my wife, my future wife, or my wife now. So the two of us, another, her sister and fiance, and then another sister. Oh my so gosh. Five people in this little apartment. Oh. And, you know, so I, I'm, I'm taking up the kitchen every day. I've got four burners. Oh I've got God. a pot that covers all of them, right? I would at least let them cook breakfast before I started mashing in the morning. So, right. you know, around like 8.39, they're heading off to work. I'm my stuff into the kitchen. And uh, I probably did, you know, something like 300 experiments. Um, wow. Uh, we would mash in the kitchen. I tried my best to clean it. My wife was helping me. We would, we would go from the mash. We'd lauder everything in the living room. And then they would all go into these five gallon, you know, food grade plastic buckets that you see the home brewers use. Right, of course. And our 
our entire bedroom, you know, because I didn't want the rest of our family to have to deal with that crap, <laughs> that right? It was all in so the bedroom. Our bedroom oh my is God. filled with fermenters. I'm talking, you know, we couldn't walk in our room. We had one path oh to the bed, God. right? You couldn't open the dressers. You couldn't, I mean, oh it my was gosh. just this tiny little thing. And my poor wife, she put up with all of it. You know, she was okay. So, you know, every night we're going to bed and all you hear all night long is bubble, 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 bubble. It was lulling us to sleep, right? It was our, it was our lullaby. It was just listening to fermenters bubble that all night. That is crazy. And, uh, That's crazy. You know, and then, yeah, and take it upstairs. Um, I'd go on top of the roof of the apartment and I would distill up there, you know, eight hours a time. I had my, wow. my zinc, my white zinc on my face and, oh you know, my, my gosh. big, my big bucket hats. So I wouldn't get too burned, but yeah, I did that for a while. Yeah, it was good. And I mean, we came up with, um, you know, we tried so many things and there was a lot of good stuff out there, but I think what really hit us was the quinoa. And I mean, yeah, obviously so how, did you narrow, how did you narrow in on that? And then, you know, how did you decide that was going to be the, the root of this product? Yeah, so we had some pretty good experiments. You know, quinoa wasn't the only one, but uh, what you know, when I was traveling in the Andes, I really fell in love with that area. I mean, as far as all of Peru goes, the Cusco, totally, Puno Cusco region, is it's amazing. Just, it's yeah, it's just awesome, right? And I, I kind of started thinking, well, you know, I have a lot of options for how to represent Peru in this spirit, um, but I really kind of even wanted to hone on the Andes and that area, just because I had fallen a little extra in love with it. Right. Right. Um, and there you have a lot of herbs. They've got a lot of grains. They've got, you know, all sorts of stuff, but you know, the, the quinoa really, it just, when I made the vodka with it, it really came out great. I mean, it has this distinct, um, it's almost has a touch of chocolate flavor, citrus. Um, you can definitely know that it has quinoa and a little bit of pine. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's really incredible. So, you know, you, once you taste it, you know, it's, it's, it is it, you know, you, totally. you kind of know, you kind of know when you know, right. And, Got it. And you know, when I tried it, I knew. So that's, yeah, that's, where that's we pretty went. crazy. So, okay. <laughs> at what point did it go from a good home experiment to, okay, now we have something we're going to put into a, a bottle and try to sell. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I briefly mentioned before, but I looked around other than Pisco, there was no real craft distillery. Got I it. think they had one big, there's one big industrial at the time, you know, there's a few craft distilleries now, but at the time there's one big industrial rum, um, you know, but they're cranking out like $5 bottles, right. $7, right. Right. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, there's <laughs> a distillery sugar there, water. but it's not, sugar water. right, exactly. Yeah. It's not a, it's, there was no craft or artisanal. Right. And, Got and, it. Uh, so anyhow, looking around, you know, I kind of thought, you know, as I don't know, right. There's no other distilleries. Why not? Right. Everybody sure. in the U.S. is not everybody, but a good number of people are living their dreams in the U.S., building breweries, building distilleries. And, and if you look at the U.S., right, you had the breweries, you had a huge boom and then the craft distilleries kind of right after. Um, and, and in Peru, right at that moment, the, the craft breweries were kind of just starting to boom. Right. They, they were just getting into bars. They were just getting into grocery stores. So that boom was taking place. And I said, you know, well, I already I love making vodka. I love distilling. Let's take it to the next step. So maybe when we hit that boom of of uh, craft distilleries that we're going to be right there, ready to go. Absolutely. So that wow. that that's kind of where we're, you know, how we switched so, over to a. Uh, to more formal production. So how right. did, but how did you figure that out? Cause I mean, you had the chemical background, which is cool. I could see coming up with the formulation, all, but mm -hmm. how did, how did you find like a place that would kind of make it more commercial? And then how did you figure out packaging and those types of things? 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, it took a long time for us to find our distiller. I mean, I think we wound up looking for like two months because you had these plate. you either have, I don't know, it's bizarre. Everywhere we went, it was either this massive industrial facility that they wanted, you know, and I'm, I'm talking a 45 gallon still. I need, you know, I don't know, right? This, the, sure. not that large of a space. I'm trying to keep my, my cash flow. My whole thought at first was, I'm not even sure that this product is going to be really accepted. So I really right. want to start low as low, keep my cash in my bank as the best that I can, because it's going to need to go to other things. Um, so I was trying to find a small place and they didn't really have industrial places that were small, but we wound up finding one and it's worked out. We're still there. It's great. Um, oh, wow. Very good. And, and I think our, our first step, you know, I figured out all the equipment, you know, I have the background in right. engineering. So that, that was not too difficult. We wound up importing the still, we got the fermenters in Peru, um, all that stuff. That, that wasn't too bad. Um, how about the source for quinoa? Yeah. Um, so we actually started off just buying on the market Got um, we didn't really source it um right from like and, a distinct farmer or whatnot yeah yeah and that actually came a little i mean i'll talk about it now but it did come a little later i want to say maybe like a year or so after um sure. what started you know we were just buying from the market and surely that's my wife her her cousin is a doctor in the Pun in puno and she was he was working with a boy who has born with, um i'm not sure exactly what but he, he had difficulty walking Got um it. and he was helping him get him therapy um you know getting him to the point that he was he's capable now of walking which is great but he this guy knows you know everybody he's a doctor in a smaller <laughs> town right so he sure. knows everyone right so shirley called him up and hey you know and she goes well and he told us well i've been working with this boy um his family are quinoa farmers uh and wheat and potatoes and you know, why don't you come out here and just talk to them, right? So we wound up going out there and we absolutely fell in love with the family. I mean, they're the sweetest, absolute sweetest people you'll ever meet. Um, they're so inviting. They are so warm. They're so welcoming. It's it's almost, I would almost put it to the point that it's kind of not even believable that people like that actually exist on this planet, you know, that just they can be that warm and kind to people that they'd never met. And it's, I don't know. I mean, it's something I think you only find in, just in rare occasions in life. Right. right. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we wanted to do everything. We needed the quinoa. We knew that it was a great opportunity to be able to help them. Um, and we looked at, you know, these, these farmers are really, they get hit pretty hard with all the middlemen. Um, you know, they, they sell their quinoa in bulk. Um, and then it's bought by these middlemen who then probably sell it to another middleman who finally sell it to a market or to an export or something like that. And, they're, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're, they get taken advantage of pretty badly. I mean, they're, they're just the price that they're selling for is just, it's almost, you know, it, it's, they're struggling to survive, sure. you know, and, and it's, it's tough, right? I mean, they certainly are not, you know, they're not doing economically doing well. So we wanted to help them out the best we could. Um, so we decided that, you know, we'd already been buying quinoa from the market, from the after middleman after middleman we decided right. you know why don't we pay you why don't we pay you the same price we've already been right paying? and paid to the um, farmer. so it. yeah and, and just to say look i'm already paying this price um when it comes to liquor and spirits really the grain i mean I'm sure when you're a massive industrial it, it becomes a mass you know a large amount of money but percentage wise your grain is not a huge substantial part of your cost of goods so sure. your margin your margin still pretty well protected um you can help these people out you know be able to purchase their grain and any surplus anything they have and uh 
you know, it works out for everybody. So wow. now how did you decide, okay, you, you, you figured out the process to make it. Um, mm-hmm. you figured out how to source the quinoa and all. What about, um, how to get it to, into market and where did you decide to try to sell it first? Yeah. So getting into marketing, that man, that was tough. So I, <laughs> my Spanish, even to this day for three or four years later, I, my Spanish is still not, I can have conversations on there, but you know, trying to deal, do business is difficult, right? Sure. It's still really difficult. Um, I, I can chit chat in a bar and a restaurant, no problem, you know, have a fine conversation when it comes to business, you know, it, it's tough. It's really, really hard. And uh, I had to lean 100% on my wife for that. I mean, she, she really took care of everything for us. Um, we wound up finding a designer that we really liked, um, you know, getting the labels made and all that stuff. I, I would, you know, I was there for the whole process, but I wasn't sure. really there. You know, right. I, was I, get of, it. I was kind of like an innocent bystander, just kind of looking, you know, and they would have <laughs> totally. a conversation for 30 minutes and look at me and say, what do you think? And I'm like, uh, uh looks pretty, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the label looks pretty. Right. So, um, yeah, so you, I, I would say my wife did most of that, to be honest with you. I mean, I would, I would give my opinion to her, you know, in prior. Um, and we actually, believe it or not, we had to we had to change our completely change our branding. Um, we started off with a vodka called singular vodka. Okay. Um, it's the same formula, same absolute everything, but we were, we had a importer in France that wanted to import our product and we were getting all of our paperwork together and our lawyer who was, you know, doing the trademark stuff called us and was like, there's a distillery in Portugal called singular and not use that name and you know oh, we're just like oh, got it you know <laughs> holy cow right so it's like <laughs> totally. what do we do right um we wound up rebranding everything I, and i think it was for the best i mean really because you know singular vodka it was cool i mean the label was nice but it, it didn't have the whole concept i was you know being really young my first product i didn't understand how to build a whole concept about a brand you know so it, it you know it was nice the label looked good but i, I almost with luck right it wasn't a strategic idea of what we were doing when we went into the designer and to have the label made there was no strategy it was kind of like this looks good that looks good this late this name sounds cool but it has no meaning right um and uh yeah so we wound up rebranding everything and i think it's a lot better now but um, that's cool now does it how about the product does it taste different or is it no 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 what's unique about it you know like if you think if someone's thinking yeah i love vodka like tell me what how how i just how would you describe you know i mean right off the bat yeah you can taste the quinoa oh wow nice yeah so and that's it's really really unique because i mean most you know i don't want to most vodkas in the world, I, I think I read somewhere 93% of vodkas are made from wheat, corn, rye, or potato or sugar, something like that. Um, and it's it's not a lot out there that are different. There are some people making it from milk, um, sugar milk, or milk, the, the sugar that's in the milk, uh, lactose, um, some other people making honey and stuff like that. So if you bring in an entirely new grain, it still has that grain flavor that you love about vodkas but it's a different grain Got and you it. really can taste it um and with that you know quinoa has a bit of a pine note you get a little citrus and and a little chocolate it, it's it's pretty cool and um right you know we've won we won an award in every competition we've been in so That's we're not, really I'm not cool. the only one that loves it no, right no, it's, <laughs> it's my baby exactly. but other people think it's, <laughs> they it's all cute like it too, too i guess right <laughs> well and then how about getting it into the u.s market you know with the distribution system here and whatnot so what does that yeah, look so like I, and how I, do you, you know, how do you approach that? 
Yeah, I'm actually, um, we are trying, we're in the process of raising capital to enter the U.S. market oh, right now. Good. So very we're good. not quite there. We actually, yep. yesterday, I mean, so I'm sure this will be broadcasted in three weeks. So <laughs> right. three weeks ago, yesterday, <laughs> we actually, we just launched our um, equity crowdfunding campaign. Oh, very good. Okay. So, yeah. So yesterday at, you know, 430, 330. Now, so we've been live almost an hour. So, yep. anybody listening, go check it out. It's on Start Engine. It's Courtney oh, Vodka. That's my that's my shameless plug. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we're raising money right now to uh, bring our brand to the U.S. So we we incorporated in the United States. Um, uh, what we're going to do is is we wanted to keep the distillery and the brand separate, just because of you know there's a lot of international laws and uh, you know foreign exchange and all that stuff there's there's kind of a lot of issues i think it's best for the investors protection to keep those two companies separate so the brand sure. is owned by the u.s corporation um and it's produced in our distillery in peru so that's really cool yeah so, that, uh, yeah, so we're working on it right now but in it's really great because um about four or five years ago if you wanted to get on the market you had to get a hold of a generally a pretty big distributor um, or really small. Um, either way, though, it's pretty difficult. Now they have um, liquor distributors, spirits, importers that do per case fees. Um, so they're not so interested in how much you sell your volume. They're more just interested. They 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 make their fees off of just you existing. And uh, yeah, so we're going to start with them um, with a brand, a company like that, and it'll it allows to hit the market immediately. Right? You Got can, it. Yeah, they take you on in a heartbeat, um, and you hit the ground running. So we're already talking to them. We've got everything pretty much set up and ready to go. And, you know, I'm just, you know, hoping to raise enough capital that it's, it's a viable thing to, to bring the brand here. Totally. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I love all the little thresholds. It's so funny the, on these, on like, I'll call it Kickstarter type, um, campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if you give $200, it's, you know, it's thank you very much. But if you give a 1500, <laughs> you get the private mix class with Jonathan. It's really, I think it's, yeah. it's so, awesome. No, it's, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. They're interesting. It's interesting. Cause it's equity, right? right. So you wouldn't think you wouldn't think that you would do that in an equity, but you know, you do. And, uh, people dig it, you know, I mean, they like it, right. You get, you get little bonuses. Is you can you know little things that they get if if they invest more. And, yeah, uh, of course. That's, I know, mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Really great. Um, this has been so great having you on, and so fun to see you early in the, in the process here. Um, where can our audience find you? Learn more about your product, etc. Yeah, um, I think your best is probably going to be our website, which is Cordy, which is Q U R I, vodka dot com, um, and you know we're on Instagram same name it'd be instagram slash uh cordy vodka or facebook um and then yeah that's really cool i I think yeah i think most of the branding and everything all the information is there and um uh, my email is right on the website you know i'm we're that small no that's great you know it's right there on the website so if anybody listening to this wants to call me chit chat (laughs) about anything or has questions or more than welcome to shoot me an email or call me that's awesome the information is right there I'm, i'm happy to talk to anybody about it Dude, John, it's, been, it's so great having you uh, on the podcast today. Look forward to having you on back down the road. You're at the beginning of what will be, a, I'm sure, a very fun ride. And um, so look forward to having you back on. Yeah, appreciate it, Justin. Yeah, why don't we, we should do this again in a year and see how it's going. <laughs> we will. Six that months, would be awesome. Like that. We'll do it. Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> the Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. 
You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.